0: Don't look at them. They're all scary. Look at me up here. I'm just kidding. All right. So how many of you guys noticed that there is a table in the front? Yeah. And how many of you are like, I'm hungry and I need some of that food? Yeah. Me too. So I got – there's actually some snacks in the back, so parents, if you're like kids are dying and whatever else, there's some water and some juices and all kinds of stuff like that. But we are doing something today called communion. Do you guys have you guys ever heard that word communion? It's really big and long, and it's it's really long, right? Like it's it's a really long word, and it says communion and and what? Do you guys know what that means? You don't know what communion means or what we do? Yeah, see, this is why we're here. This is why we're all together. So communion is this special thing that we do together as the church. And for all of us, even the adults and everybody else, we actually get to do this as a remembrance of what Jesus did for us. And as a part of gathering together. How many of you guys have ever heard the community, the word community? Yeah, it's like the people that we hang out with, our friends and our neighbors and the people around us. And communion is when we spend time time with the people in our community and with the people around us and so why do you think we have like a weird small snack in the middle of church on Sundays sometimes for the grown-ups do you think they get really hungry I think they do but that's why we have tacos yeah I don't know that this is really that much like like if I give you one goldfish would you be like not hungry anymore no really like you'd be fine you'd be like yeah, I got a gold, who wants a goldfish? Like, I'm, I'm offering goldfish right now. Boom, goldfish, goldfish. Mm, who wants a goldfish? I got a goldfish. Right, but is that goldfish going to make you, oh, it dropped it. Ah, don't eat it off the floor. That's gross. I saw that. I saw you try to eat it off the floor. Oh, my goodness. All right. Come get one, Hudson. I can't reach all the way over there. Oh, my goodness. No, no, no. All right. If you already had one, you can't have more. Like, uh, that's not how this works. So, all right. Take a seat. Take a seat. So, we have this weird meal in the middle service. Well, there's this story that I want to tell you, and it's about Jesus. And Jesus, Je- you you ate it. Oh, man. Trouble, man. Sorry, Stephen. I apologize. <laughs> um, We... We um, j- there's a story about Jesus, and Jesus had some followers. You guys know what Jesus's followers' names were? There's twelve of them. It starts with a D, and it goes disciple. Anybody? The disciples. Oh, leave it to the kindergartners to give you the answers. And the twelve disciples. Hey guys, shh. Um. So there were twelve disciples, and the disciples. Hung out with Jesus a lot. And one night when Jesus was about ready to go die on the cross, he gathered them all around and they had a big meal together. And he said, and he said to them, oh, let's eat. Let's have some time together. And he took the bread and he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. Weird. No, it was bread. Duh, right? No, he said, this is my body and it's broken for you. Now, why do you think Jesus would say something like that? That his body was broken. Was his body broken? No, not yet. But he knew he was going to go and die on the cross for us. And his body was going to be broken. And then he, at the end of dinner, he took up the cup of the juice just like this. Oh, the juice. And the juice was, oh, he's like, oh, this this is my blood. Oh, blood. Do you guys drink blood? Is that something you guys do? No, you don't. You're not none of you are vampires. Uh some of you wake up in the middle of the night just like that though. I bet. I bet you do. you like like to hang out in the middle of the night when it's still dark outside. Um but he took the blood and he the the juice and he said this is my blood now and it's shed for you. Why do you guys think he said and it's shed for you? Did he shed his blood for us? Yeah, he did actually on the cross he shed his blood. And so And then he said, Do this and remember it's me. And whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death until I come again. We actually gather together to say, We remember that Jesus died for us because he loves us so much that he wants us to know him and love him. And every time we take this little snack in the middle, this snack break in the middle of church, it's to remember Jesus. And so parents, you guys get to decide with your kids that this is something that we do as followers of God. This is something that we do as a community, as people who love God and know God and trust God. And so if you feel like your kids are ready for that, um, then they're welcome to the table. And if not, Melody, after she blesses our communion elements, is going to be right and available in front to give your kids a blessing that was one of my favorite parts as being a little kid was getting to come up and have the pastor put their hand on my head and say say a special prayer over me kind of like what I just got to do with Josue and got to pray for him the same way Melody will get to pray for you guys and it'll be so extra special if that's something that you guys get to do cool so now we're going to go into a time of communion. So I'm going to send you guys back. And if you have stuff on the floor, we're just going to pick up the stuff on the floor real fast. And you can steal those goldfish, Blake. Do it. And who wants who the wants juice? Juice. Joshua, you are the best listener. Good job. There's more juice in the back. All right. All right. And I'll hand it off to Melody. All right.
1: All right, while they're cleaning up, we get to come to the sacred table, not because you must, but because you may come to testify, not that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love the Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. We come not because you are strong, but because we are weak, not because we have any claim on the grace of God, but because in your frailty and your sin, we stand in constant need of God's mercy and help not to express an opinion, but to seek God's presence and to pray for the Spirit. If the communion servers can please come forward. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The table is open. You can come when you are ready.
0: Now we get to hear from our beloved Jay as he gets to tell us about some of his adventures. So let me pray for him as he comes and shares. Heavenly Father, God, just lift up Jay to you. Thank you for... The way that you have blessed and gifted him, that you have led him to our congregation to lead us in worship, but also, Lord, the passions that you stir in his heart for the world, for your people, for brokenness and for healing, Lord. Just give this time to you. Would your words speak through him and in him in your name? Amen. Amen. Well,
2: good morning. You guys doing all right? We've kind of shaking things up this morning. We have a different order. We've got the kids over here. You guys doing all right? You colored some good pictures? Do you have some good goldfish? I, uh, I actually thought the communion wafers tasted especially good this morning. Maybe that's just because I'm that hungry. But um, anyways, I... I've been asked to speak a little bit this morning um, with you guys about uh, about a trip I was just recently on in Lebanon, and then share a little bit about mission and the idea of what mission is, both for us as individuals and as a church. So, again, for those of you that don't know me, my name's Jay. Um, I'm the strange-looking blonde guy that sings up here on Sunday mornings. Um, And uh, and does worship and what I've been working on is a project that I started back in January February of this year uh, where I've been working in a country called Lebanon. Kids, have any of y'all ever heard of the country Lebanon? No, I got some shaking heads. It's this tiny little country that's squeezed between Israel and a place called Syria. And if you don't know, Syria is a place that's had a lot of conflict for a lot of years now. For the last, like, eight years, Syria's been at war, at a civil war. And so you've had millions of people that have had to leave their homes in Syria and flee to other places in the world. And so I went to Lebanon um, to work really specifically with Syrian refugees primarily Um, in the country of Lebanon, and though I'd done a trip there about four years ago doing a different kind of work, this time uh, I went back specifically to do a recording project, to write songs and start recording an album with Syrian refugees. And um, if any of you guys are involved in the music industry whatsoever, if you can imagine the logistical nightmare of creating a project that is partially in English, partially in Arabic, partially in Kurdish, with different styles of music and everything. That's basically what I chose to walk into. Um, so it's been, a, it's been an interesting journey, but it's been one that I, I could not um, even tell you guys how rewarding it's been. So I went back in January, February. I met a couple guys on the ground um, in the refugee community that sing, Um, And I kind of discussed this idea of a project to them, of doing a recording project that would be songs that we'd write together there that help tell a bit of their stories, and then how I'd come back to Los Angeles and work with some U.S.-based and other international artists. Um, to create a cross-cultural collaboration record, which would be partially in English, partially in Arabic, partially in Kurdish. So that's what I started um, back in January, February, and then I was just there for three weeks at the end of July, beginning of August. So when you guys got this great break and had a couple of my friends come in and lead worship, that's where I was. And I know there are probably many that wish that I was still over there and that they were here um, leading worship with you guys. I, I'm, not, I'm not asking for, uh, for compliments there. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Please stop, 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 stop. Um, but as I, you know, as I have done this type of work, which is kind of strange and very unique um, to me, it, what it really brings up to me is the broader question of what is mission, right? I've been on this mission to help Um, some of the Syrian refugee community gain a voice. Um, I've been on a mission to help them understand that there's still hope, even though their country and their people have been essentially foreigners in a strange land for the last seven years, eight years. And many of the people in the host countries that they live really do not like them because they feel like they're just dragging and being a drain on all of their resources. So you've got this this issue of Syrian refugees being all over the place, not being welcomed by anyone. And so my project's been a little bit different than a normal mission trip in that in I'm trying to go and help them bring a voice of hope to others in their community through a music project, of all things, and then to help people in the first world understand a little bit more about that conflict and understand the people behind it. But as I get into that, um, it really does, it brings into question what is mission? Because this is a little bit different than, you know, a typical church, um, church mission trip. And in, in fact, it's really not even a church project at all. I'm doing a secular record um, with them. but So what it gets me back to is the question of what is mission? When I was a kid growing up, I had this understanding that what it meant to be on mission, especially in the context of what it means to be on mission from God, was really one of two things. It was either to evangelize and tell people about Jesus, which sounds pretty good. A lot of Matthew 28 in there go into all the world, make disciples, right? Go and and tell people the good news of the gospel. So I thought it was either telling people about Jesus, or two, I thought it was doing something that you hate for a cause that you're supposed to love. <laughs> like for instance, when I was a kid, one of the ways that we would step into mission is we'd go and pick up trash on the side of the highway. And I don't know about you, but I kind of hated picking up trash. I was a kid, I was really good at making trash, I just wasn't good at picking it up and I didn't like picking it up. Um, and then I was supposed, to so we were doing this and then it was for a cause of cleaner highways, cleaner freeways. And I just didn't really care about it. So I had these two understandings of what mission was, and I had a very narrow um, view of it because of that. When I think about really what mission is overall, the reality is that we're all on mission, constantly. We're always on some sort of mission. I mean, from the moment that we're born, we come out of the womb on mission. And when we come out of the womb, how do we express the mission that we're on? Yeah, that is how we express our mission, because our mission in that moment is I was just in a warm, comfortable, happy place. You have pushed me into this world that is uncomfortable, that I don't like, that's too bright. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm tired, and I'm hangry, all at the same time. And so that's all that we know to do, is we express our mission. Our mission, from the time that we're born, is this sense of self-satisfaction, fulfilling our own needs, um, Specifically, personal comfort. I'm uncomfortable. I want to become comfortable. And one of the sad things I, I've found in life as I've gotten older is that some of, it, it can be easy for us to sometimes never really grow out of that initial mission that we come into this world with. Thinking, how do I get myself back to a place of comfort, security, rest, and happiness? But the reality is, is that when we have this natural desire for mission, we have this mission in us, if we don't find something that's bigger than ourselves to help fulfill that mission, we lead to, it leads to two things. It leads to either explosiveness and destructiveness or implosiveness. And I know y'all that have kids know this. If you have your three-year-old boys in a house with nothing to do, with no mission, they're just going to run around and they're going to destroy the place. They're going to tear it up. Has anyone ever experienced that? Um, So, for kids running around, tearing up a place, we find ways to give them missions to keep them from being destructive. Like, you're destroying everything. There's soccer. You you can go on a field and you can engage in some other kind of mission instead of tearing up the house. Or, if you have the kid that uh, is just complaining all the time, complaining kids or complaining adolescents, complaining teenagers, there's music. Music. Because music is the way in which we, we take our complaints, we add musical notes to them, and then all of a sudden it becomes beautiful. Right? I always found this amazing. I was thinking about this this week, and I was thinking, if you've ever had a friend that has had, maybe, maybe they went through a breakup or something, and they just can't get over it, and you're always just thinking, get over yourself, man. It's time to move on with your life. Right, And it's just very annoying when you have that friend. But then all of a sudden, when Adele comes on and she sings, Hello, it's me. We think it's the most beautiful thing in the world. So with music, we found a way to actually turn our complaints into multi-million dollar industries. And it's great. But that's one way that we can take this natural desire that we have for mission, give it a practical Uh, a practical outlet, and all of a sudden you can take something that would be explosive or implosive and you can give it purpose. When we grow up, as we continue to develop, we move from this place where we're not self-sufficient at all, we constantly need other people to take care of us, to all of a place where we build more and more self-sufficiency. Sixteen. You can start driving a car. You don't need mom and dad to drive you everywhere. You start this journey of self-sufficiency. You can feed yourself. You get older. You get your first job. You start to pay your bills. You can become self-sufficient. And many of us as Christians can sometimes get to this place where we revel in our self-sufficiency, and then we never move to the next step. Self-sufficiency is a beautiful thing, and it's a, good part, it's a good thing developmentally for us to be on mission to learn how to take care of ourselves. But after that, the world becomes significantly less fulfilling when that becomes our end goal is to take care of ourselves. And then as parents, you guys know this, when you start to step into something where you create new life, and you take care of someone else, you take care of something else that's bigger than yourself, as much of a headache as it is so many times, that becomes the most fulfilling thing in your life. And, uh, you know, I know many times you might think you would love to kick your three-year-old out of the house and have a vacation for a while, but then you get five days away and what do you want? You want to be back with that child because there's a mission that's bigger than yourself in your life now. Um, so what is the, the thing, the mission that's after self-sufficiency? And I think, again, in church, you had my narrow understanding that's either telling people about Jesus or doing things you hate for a purpose that's good. I think John 10.10 10 is where we really hear encapsulated in one thing is the mission of Jesus on this, this world. And Jesus says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And if we wanted to sum up what mission is for us, not just as individuals, but as Christians and as a church, that's really the biggest part of our mission, is to come that those around us may have a life and have it to the full. And I know that's a huge, that's a huge mission because it's a huge world. There are a ton of huge needs, and there are huge differences between us and what we're wired for, what we're good at, right? If you stick me in the job of Pam Perry, to party plan and decorate and make a celebration great, it will be horrible, right? I don't know. Maybe Pam Perry could get up and play, uh, play some worship songs and maybe she'd be great at. I don't know. I've never heard her sing. But there's something about us finding our niche, finding something that we love, doing it with excellence, and then through that, bringing life to the people around us and the community around us. I think it can be really easy almost for us to over-spiritualize mission to the point that we make it so much, we tie it so closely to theology that we lose that element that Jesus says our mission is to come that those around us may have life and have it to the full. I I think really with missions, we have three main categories that we think of. We, We think the primary one would be meeting immediate needs. This is world vision. This is bringing clean water projects, helping with shelter like Josue was talking about, building shelter for people that don't have it, bringing water, bringing food. Um, then we have the second one that would be the evangelism side, speaking the truth, bringing the gospel, sharing the good news. And the third, which is, is not more important than the others at all, but it's one that I think sometimes gets missed a little bit in the, in the mix when we think about mission— is this idea of walking with people, walking with them in their life and what they're doing and what they're good at or what they love, equipping them in that, and then calling them out of a place of maybe purposelessness and calling them into the broader mission of what it is to live with God and to be an agent of God in this world. Um, There's this last passage now, I don't have time to read just, just for time's sake, but the road to Emmaus where Jesus has died. Uh, he's risen from the dead, but he hasn't made himself known to everybody yet. Right? A couple of the women that were following Jesus have seen him, have carried this report to the disciples. A couple of the disciples have seen the empty tomb, but they don't really know what to think about it. And then you have these two followers of Jesus that say they're on the road walking to Emmaus. And all of a sudden Jesus appears and starts walking with them. And it says that the the scriptures say that uh, God shielded from their eyes who he was. They didn't know it was Jesus, but Jesus started walking with them. And then it says this. He starts asking them about what's going on. They talk about the despair of we had this teacher um, that we thought was the Messiah, but then he was crucified, and he's dead. But now we hear these confusing reports that he might be alive again. Um, And so they're in this place of confusion, and they ask, and, and then Jesus starts speaking to them, And it says that Jesus opened all of the scriptures to them and started walking through the Old Testament and the law and the prophets and teaching them how all of the scriptures were pointing to Jesus. And then, at the end, he leaves, he disappears from them, and then their eyes are opened and they realize that it was Jesus walking with them. And the takeaway from that passage that I'd always heard is that they have this moment afterwards where they say, "Were our hearts not burning within us?" when he opened the scriptures to us and showed us um, how the Bible pointed to Jesus. and what I had always heard about the meaning of that was that if you read the Bible, passion is going to burn inside of you, and you're going to come alive as a person. But then I tested that and I was a you know I was a teenager I'd read the Bible and I wouldn't feel the sense of burning within me. I wouldn't feel the sense of being fully alive within me. But where I would find that sense of being alive was I had a coach in my life who was a follower of Jesus. And that coach was an excellent coach. He was an amazing soccer coach. And I loved following him. He pushed us hard on the field. But then he would talk to me about his faith And he would talk to me about how his faith in Jesus actually drove him to excellence on the soccer field. And how the things that we were learning on the soccer field revealed so many things about God. And I knew another guy that was a worship leader. He was great at music. And I was starting to write songs. And he would talk to me about how music points to God and points to the God that loves us. And so I was really thinking about this passage again, and I think there's maybe something that we've missed in this passage of the Road to Emmaus that really can tie into what mission is for us individually and as a church. And that's this. These followers of Jesus, these two men, they knew the scriptures. They knew the teachings of the scriptures. They loved it in their culture. They would talk about it. They would argue about what it meant, what different passages meant. They would talk about what that would mean for the future, And so what Jesus did is he walked with them, walked with them, and he invested in a conversation about something that they loved. They loved the scriptures. He invested in that conversation about the scriptures. And through that, he showed them that that all pointed to God, not only God, but it pointed to the truth of the gospel and Jesus dying for our sins and rising again. And I think there's something powerful that we can think of as a takeaway for ministry that I've experienced with this project in Lebanon is that if we walk with somebody in something that they love, and we show how what they love points to the God that loves them, we can be involved in a mission that can actually lead them to a place where they can say, where our heart's not burning within us. When we heard our football coach tell us about the God that drives him to excellence on the football field, when we walk with our teacher that shows us how her relationship with God drives her to love what she's doing teaching. Or that uh, we followed and we walked with the businessman whose relationship with God taught him how to be an amazing CEO and how to be both innovative and developmental and creative with his business and also how to treat his employees well. Or how we found that Pam and Terry who set up events all over this community and they bring life to these parties and they bring life to celebrations. How were our hearts not burning within us when we went to that wedding and we experienced God through the celebration of two people coming together. And so that would be my encouragement for us. We all know that part of mission is evangelism. We all know part of mission is solving people's immediate needs. But I would encourage us to think about ways in which we can step into, through whatever our sphere of influence is, we can step into something where we just breathe life into the sphere of influence that God has given us. And we see what God might do with that. Um, So if you would pray with me. Um, Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for um, just your faithfulness to show up in ways that are different than we would ever expect and that are better than we could ever plan. Um, And Father, I pray this morning that you would stir in us the desire to look at the world around us, look at the families around us, look at our community here in Simi Covenant, look at our community that is doing things in Mexico, look at our community that is doing things in Lebanon and across the world, and find ways that we can plug ourselves into mission and stepping into breathing life into the community and the world around us. Um, Father, I pray that you would be with us as we um, continue in worship, um, that these songs that we sing would be more than just songs, but that they would be declarations of your truth, declarations of your love for us, and declarations of um, the wonder of what it is to walk um, in the footsteps of Jesus and to walk with you in life. And we pray this um, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're also going to take this time, if we would go ahead and have the ushers come forward as we sing this next song. As we sing um, this next song to start, I'd love for you guys to stay seated and really think about um, some things in your life that this might draw to, draw to mind. And as we step into this time of offering, um, if you'd stay seated for the beginning of it, and then we'll stand together and worship.